Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight-Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now host of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. It is Friday yet again. And there has been so much that has gone on in the United States of America this week. And I I had to address it. I I see, you know, so often when things go on nowadays, everyone is quick to put up a post, pray for this person or pray for this city or hashtag Charlottesville, hashtag this. And I appreciate those things because, again, it's, you know, bringing awareness, of course, you know, to like Instagram, which is usually inundated with selfies and Instagram models showing their ass and titties. So I appreciate, you know, people feeling, you know, doing something from the social conscious perspective. But I hadn't posted anything yet. And I hadn't posted anything because I'd been unable to capture just my feelings, my emotions, my perspective in one Instagram post, if that makes sense. Um, so I wanted to definitely dedicate this candidly Keisha, and this is probably definitely going to be an ongoing thing, but at least this week, to let's talk about this. You know, there's this huge, it's not even, you think so too, Ella? It's an, it's an elephant in the nation. It's not even in the room. It's bigger than that. So I've invited... Um, a couple friends to let's just talk about this because I feel like that's also what's missing. Um, Motown, are we going by our government name or our Maurice Motown okay. Lee? <laughs> <laughs> we have also known as Uncle Motown. So right. Ella. Um, of course, Arian Simone is in the building. Hey y'all! He has to come talk on the mic. Hey y'all! She just took my mic right quick. Um, and then James, who's always, you know, here with us at Candidly Keisha, um, I wanted to invite him in on the discussion as well. Um, just, so I don't even know where to start. Like, we, before we were starting, James was saying, well, I don't know if you'll like my viewpoint or my opinion on these things. Um, but that's part of it. We have to have people who have different perspectives come to the table and have that conversation. So what is your opinion and viewpoint that I, you think may be unpopular? Um, well, f- first of all, I, I, the politicians and stuff like that, I think I, if there was like a, a sandwich, I would vote for the sandwich over any of the people. I'm not pro-Trump. I'm not pro any kind of government. Uh, and I think that's actually kind of why he got elected a little bit. Number one, because two words, not Hillary. And I think people are fed up with the establishment and career politicians and, you know, say what you will. I mean, there's some stuff that's, that, that, that's, that's sketchy, you know, mm-hmm. it's sketchy at best. And there's a lot of stuff with him that's sketchy. Mm-hmm. Like, like I go back to I would vote for a, a banana or a sandwich or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, on the street rather than 
these people that just have a lot of agendas. So I, I kind of put that up first that um, I'm not pro-Trump, not really pro any kind of big government. I just mm-hmm. think people should do what they need to do. Everyone all kind of born with the same abilities and mm-hmm. different things and what we kind of do with our lives, what we do with our lives, you know, type, type of stuff. But, um, but as this president, he just flies off the cuff and I don't get, I mean, I think that's where he gets into a lot of problems and upsets people. But, um, but you know, on, on the thing on, on both sides, it, there, you know, there are two ways to look at a story and I'm not saying mm-hmm. just about Charlottesville, but just about anything, you know, um, and I've got I've got two kids, and it's funny when you know the kids come running and they're like, ah, so and so did this, and so and so did that. You know, you, I got to stop and go, okay, okay, what are the fact? What happened? What are the facts? You know, and then when I find that when I dive deeper into the situation, it's kind of like my uh, my initial knee jerk was actually not accurate. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I see my crying daughter, and it's like, oh, so and so hit me. Well, you left out the part of where you kicked him in the leg first, mm-hmm. and. St- <laughs> You know, I mean, and, and you know, I got to gotta listen to those those things because initially I was just like, I'm ready to kick someone's ass. Like, you man, my, you know, my daughter. And mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I just I, I'm, I'm a little conflicted. But I, again, I'm, I'm not pro-Trump, but this he, he, he needs to really think about what he says. This is my biggest issue with him. Well, I have a couple of them. I can't even say this is my biggest <laughs> one. But for you to have something like the blatant racist display that happened in Charlottesville. They weren't just against black people. They were against Jewish people. They were against anyone who isn't a white Christian male, pretty much, whether you are Hispanic, whether you are woman, whether you, there were so many different things that they were standing in solidarity against. And for us to have fought in this country through the civil rights movement, for us to condemn other company, other countries for genocide, for us to condemn other countries for immoral behavior toward people, and to not take a stand, for our president to not denounce, to not be very, very clear where he stood, to have any level of ambiguity regarding this point is a problem to me. And then to try to say, well, you know, you can blame both sides. No. This isn't a, you know, you can't, this isn't one of those things where you can stand in the middle. You can't kind of say, well, let me pacify these people and, you know, pacify these. Let me villainize them as well as villainize these people. No, the Ku Klux Klan, the neo-Nazis, all of the people who are standing for this whole movement have a history of homegrown terrorism. It's terrorism. Yeah. No, I mean, I think he called it terrorism and, and like that guy, and murder. I mean, you know. Yeah. What do you have to say, Montana? I, I think that. If you look at the situation in Charlottesville, um, you have to first like look at so much of the symbolism. First of all, like the torches, right? The torches, <laughs> all they wearing did. white. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like we didn't come here. It's like I ain't come to start no problem, but I ain't come. For, I didn't come to run from run either. If you show up, if I show up anywhere with torches, guns, bats, shields, bats, pepper spray, armor, I'm looking for a problem. Um, it's just a situation where I, I, I know y'all don't want, I don't know. I know people might not want a problem, but I'm looking for one. So when he says there's two sides to it, if I'm presented with, for me as a, as a black man in America, if I'm presented with certain things, if somebody comes to me with torches and, and, and Nazi symbolism, and bats I'm already going to be combative because I know what it means. If I'm a Jewish American, I know what that symbolism means. It means something that just, you know, to me, oh, he wants to kill me just like his ancestors did the same thing. But now all of a sudden, Trump 
we're not taking sides. And, and I have to say, I had to apologize because I was one of them people that were so was yeah, so you were that's anti, how you to come anti Hillary that it came off that I was like I was pro Trump, and I didn't honestly. You, you would have voted for the sandwich too. Yeah, I definitely would have voted for this. And no, we had heated debates about <laughs> yeah. this. Like during during the like the whole election process, we had some real heated debates about this because he was like, "Well, I'd rather vote for Trump." I'm like, "Do you hear what you are saying?" Yeah. Like, but see, but see that that's the thing though. She is so was so polarizing to so many people because of the history. You know, I'm like I said, I don't I don't agree with anything. I mean, I just make I can make that perfectly clear, but um. Just a lot of the scandals and the whole, you know, just all the things that you look at of the the totality of thirty years of like what y'all sold uranium to the Russians, like what? When I saw though the hate that was being fueled at his rallies, the way that I saw the base that was supporting him, you know, spitting on and and throwing and and hitting defenseless people who looked like me. And there, that to me spoke volumes. That to me just spoke volumes. Because regardless of, I'm not con- condemning, you know, things that maybe Hillary or the Democrats, and I get it. A lot of people have a lot of shit with them. I get it. However, that was, he, there was just like an up, the underbelly of our country yeah. was invigorated and awakened and given the right to to say all of these horrible, hateful, just mean evil things like things that we had been working towards it was almost as like they were given the the green light to take the hoods off cuz like now you know they're marching without the hoods exactly it's funny cuz I, I there's I no posted, shame i i posted that on my social media almost 7 years ago to this day i think it was like next week it'll be 7 years mm-hmm. they had a um a clan rally in um in LJ. Mm-hmm. And uh, L.J. Georgia. Yeah, and I went, and the rhetoric. You went to the Klan rally. Well, how did that work? I didn't initially. <laughs> the thing was, it was I had friends who said they're having a Klan rally in L.J. We should go up there and represent. Then the day of the rally, I couldn't find none of my friends, and I was like, I already committed to going, so I'm gonna go. And it's gonna be police out there. I don't. I'm not going to start any problems. It's just me. But I'm gonna see what they're talking about. Um, and honestly, it was just like, I had like an out of body experience being next. I'm like, I felt like my ancestors, I'm just looking at it and I'm hearing what they're saying and what they're saying is, is, is weird, but it's kind of prophetic. Cause they're like, yeah, we don't mind Obama being president because Obama's like, our agenda is to create a situation where everybody's going to resent this and the next person we're gonna, it's basically going to be one of us, and we won't need the hoods. And now when you're looking around, they don't need the hoods. They have the face of their brand mm-hmm. running, running the country. And what's so scary is this guy is a loose cannon. That's my he, biggest thing with they him. They give him a script, and they say, okay, he you know, read, read from the script. But once, the, once somebody asks you a question and you don't like it, Bam! I'm shooting off. So, and I can't even. I keep saying my biggest thing because I have so many issues that I can't even choose one. But put that in con- if he's with a foreign leader and they're talking, let's and, talk and about somebody North Korea. Say, if let's, somebody let's, says something that he don't like, listen, let's psh- just let's talk about North Korea since we're going to talk mm-hmm. about foreign leaders. Because who? How are you the leader of the free world on a Twitter rant with 
Kill jo- whatever Jun Un, no, whatever the Un it is right now in North Kim, Korea. Yeah. Kim Jong Un. Yes, yeah. Un. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm like I'm speechless with that. Like, how is that the person who's leading our country who has the codes to a nuclear football? Like, how does that work? First of all, how do you have time to tweet and retweet? You running a country. What are you? supposed to be that's what it should appear and you know he's just yesterday first (laughs) he don't know first his first speech was horrible then they gave him a speech and read it he was just totally unhappy with the speech that he read the day before and then yesterday he was like you know what I'm about to let it all hang out it was a a classic (laughs) classic trip where they pushed him and pushed his buttons and he just goes off because yeah. I know he was there, and I, you know infrastructure. Yeah, we need our road, better roads. We need jobs. I agree with that a thousand percent. I think anybody would. Um, but I think he was there to talk about that. That he was on his stump about that, and then they just kept hitting him, and then he just couldn't. It just couldn't take it. But if you're a president, of, if you're the president of of a, a convenience store, right. you need to be able to like smile and grin. And, okay. You have to be able to diplomatic field questions. Like that's part of your job is to answer the questions, yeah. and Ella. You think so too? Ella's upset with Trump too. She yes. was like, you know what? And and the thing the thing that really gets me is the people who were walking down the street in Charlottesville, they weren't looking for any trouble. Mm-hmm. They didn't deserve to be plowed through by somebody's car. So, you know, after all of that happened, you know, what is your argument? You can't say that these people were doing anything other than their right as American citizens to protest. So how do you deserve to get plowed over like roadkill? And as a president, how do you come off like unsympathetic for the victims? Somebody died. Some Several somebodies. Right. I think it's up to three now. And, and you're just like, eh, you know, yeah, okay. And it's funny because I, I saw, I don't know if you guys saw the, the Vice report. Um, and it had one of the supremacists and it was like, somebody died. And he's like... His his reaction was sort of indicative of Trump's he, Trump's reaction. He was like, "Yeah, somebody died, okay, but if it was up to me, more people would have died. Like, I'm not even satisfied with just that one person died. But I'm not saying Trump is at that level. But if you're not speaking against it, you're for it. And that's my thing. If you are not a part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. And I feel like so many people, when these things happen, because it's not in their town or affecting anyone who they know personally, it still has this very much those people are going through or this is happening over there. But until all of us not only take ownership and internalize the pain and internalize all that's going on around this world and take ownership of it, nothing is ever going to change because it isn't those people's problems. It's our problem. That's true. Now, now, what did you think about him? Because uh, Trump did was making comments too about like, what what is next? Are you guys going to take down George Washington's monument? Uh, Thomas Jefferson, they own slaves, and you know, which is historically true. What uh, what did you think about when he started made, making those comments? I feel like the issue is certain things are synonymous and symbolized. Like you know, like the Confederate flag is a symbol of racism, of mm-hmm. hatred, yeah. of there's certain things that have been put on a pedestal, just how George Abraham Lincoln is the symbol of the abolition of slavery, for instance. Certain things have become, in my opinion, the symbolism for, you know, like the swastika is the symbolism yeah. for Nazi. These things are the symbolism of it. 
So they're two different ball games, and you know what these things symbolize. Right. Yes, they happen to be figures in history, but you also know what they've become known and synonymous to symbolize, and that's the issue. That's the issue. Yes, Thomas Jefferson did own slaves. Yes, he also had a whole slave family and all other different things, but I feel like it's comparing apples to oranges yeah. too. Yeah. And also it's it's being honest. It's about talking about those difficult things and not sweeping stuff under the rug and acting like it didn't happen. I was just at breakfast with a friend of mine who um, – went to Savannah recently Mm -hmm. and they did, you know, when you do kind of a tour of those type of cities, they give you the abridged version. They give you the the cleaned up version of the history. Right. But then you can also get to a private tour guide and get the real version of Mm -hmm. the history. We can't rewrite history. These atrocities happened in our country and we have to deal with them. To me, the idea of of remembering your history and studying history is to learn from the past mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, and not repeat them. Yeah, you know, and there's there's a lot to learn from that. And and speaking of history and, and neo Nazis and all that type of stuff, if you look at the history of it, their their agenda is this pure race and all that. You know what? Sorry, you lost. <laughs> it's not I happening. Mean, it, 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 no, I mean, it, and you can look at somebody. Look at me. I mean, I, you right. thought I was. I'm, I'm not white. You know. I mean, we're all mixed now, and it's like just, just, for, give, just give it up. Just guys. FYI, just for y'all who aren't, James is white. <laughs> However, like visually, James is white. But visually, that's, visually, visually. That's why I said visually, you are white. Right. But what you don't know, and that's also something that I feel is really important. You can never tell who someone is, what their history is, or you know what their story is simply by looking at them. Because you, yes, I would say you're an average white guy any day of the week. But you are Hispanic. You are. You have a whole another culture that. People don't realize. But you, you just struck at the definition of prejudice. You're prejudging someone right. by their looks, which is – sorry, I'm getting mad now. No, but, get oh. mad. Get mad. <laughs> you know, That's what's needed. It, 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 you know, you just don't – you don't judge people by what you perceive they look at. And then what do you perceive in what? You know? Right. I mean, and it's like uh, – even being half Hispanic, I hear people that make like Hispanic jokes or Mexican jokes. And it's like – I mean, I can laugh about it, but it's just like – Y'all have no idea. None. You know, and it's just, and that, that's just one culture. But, you know, people that run around and thinking like, oh, we've got to, uh, you know, keep this pure race. and it, for, for what? I mean, it just, it, I, I, it, I don't <laughs> I know. I don't understand how um, Nazis, I, I saw something where somebody was like, this is Nazi America. But if you go to Germany, there's no Nazi symbolism around. As a matter of fact, like it's illegal to have any symbolism of Nazi Germany. So why is it legal here? Which I think freedom of I speech. Th- freedom of yeah, oh. but but I also think is it's it's ignorance because they just gravitate to a symbol of hate. Mm-hmm. But you're not even you don't even come from a German heritage, but you're you're embracing this like German Nazi hate symbolism, and then you make it in into a broad thing. The thing is, even with Trump and the whole. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Robert E. Lee. We can't talk about patriotism and embrace Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee was to totally se- against didn't patriotism. Didn't he want to secede, secede from the <laughs> Union? Exactly. Yeah. Like, he didn't even want us to be a country. <laughs> he, led, he led a revolt against the government. Like, what are we talking about? Really? So They lost. I'm, That's the best way to say it. They lost. But I, I, don't, I'm, I don't necessarily think they should always, like— some of the the flags and, and everything, some of the similar, I'm like, you know what? Let's leave it up there. I don't think that everything should be left up there, but some of it should be left up. Why? Because we feel like if you take it down, if you change the history books, we may be alert because our parents taught us, 
but our parents knew less than our grandparents. Yeah. And then so when our kids grow up, there's no symbolism. It's not in the books anymore. It's like it never existed. But we those people to, still exist yeah, we have as to. evident. I do feel that we need to do a better job in our education system because I can just speak to knowing little ones in public school and helping with homework and seeing how they've tried to almost gloss over and rewrite a lot of history when it comes to slavery. And I feel like, you know, and even the civil rights movement, we need to be very clear about what's at stake. Right. And by not acknowledging and being truthful about where what we've been through, how you said you have to know what you've gone through so that you don't repeat history, we have to continue to to be honest about that so that we can make it clear that that's nowhere we desire to go back to. And I feel like kids today are so far removed that they don't understand what's at stake and they don't understand how close it really was. Like, my mom, my grand, my mother was born in Montgomery, Alabama in the 50s. So, like, it wasn't so long ago that we couldn't drink out of certain water fountains, that we couldn't, you know, we were technically allowed to vote, but there was so much voter intimidation. Mm-hmm. There were voter poll taxes. There were voter, you know, all sorts of things that they did to deter, you know, us to have the ability to do it. This was not that long ago, people. It wasn't. Right. And I think what it does is, it's a double-edged sword. I think their logic is if we erase it and don't talk about it, then we can move on, and that, that creates a healing process. But on the flip side, what it does is you have these Hispanics and African-American kids who don't have don't understand what it took for them to have the right to vote. Right. So now when the election comes up, they're not, it's, like, it's nothing to me. It's not, it's no they don't understand deal. how many people died yeah. to give you this right. And so, you know, it's just like, what are we doing? As parents, we have to educate our kids, and we we can't let schools take. Slavery is a part of our history. Now, I'm not saying we live in slavery or still live as slaves, but to to know your future, to, you have to know your past. And the strength of the people that we've come that we come from is vital. Um, but we're going to take a really, really quick break. This is Candidly Keisha. We will be right back. We're going to continue this conversation and have a special Fearless Friday call in. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Person. Person. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. We are back from our little break that we have taken. Um, We have... A very, very special guest today. You know, we've been doing our Fearless Friday segments um, the past couple weeks in excitement and anticipation for the Fearless Conference Reloaded, correct? Yes. (laughs) I'm so happy we have Joy Cho from Oh Joy on the line. Hey, Joy. Hey. Yes. Thanks for having me. And Joy is a phenomenal author, three times best-selling, has her product line in Target. She's a designer, a blogger, and so much more. She's a wife, a mother, an entrepreneur, and Joy just does it all. Welcome, Joy. Thank you, guys. So are you excited to participate in the Fearless Conference this fall? Yes, of course. I mean, anything with the word fearless to me, I think, is Great. I think we all need that word stuck in our heads every day. 
So tell me about your your business and your brand in the process of building it and just just give our 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 listeners who may not be familiar a little bit of an overview. Sure. So Odra started in 2005, which is now almost 12 years ago. I had just left a couple jobs in New York and I was moving back to Philly where I'm from looking for a new job. And while I was trying to figure out what my next uh, design job would be, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer, I started freelancing uh, because I had to pay the bills. I also decided to start a blog around that time. And now in 2005, blogs were not what they are today. People had no idea what they were, and it was really an extension of an online journal. And so I started basically just using it as a digital version of a sketchbook for myself. And slowly, more and more people started to read it, and it became essentially a marketing tool for my freelance design business, which I ended up turning into a full-time business because I saw that I was getting clients whose I could design their logos, their websites, their packaging. And so for, for a very long time, I designed branding and packaging and websites for various clients in the food, fashion, and home decor industries. And Oh Joy, the blog, what people sort of knew me as publicly was very much on the side. It wasn't until about 2011 when my first daughter was born that I shifted my priorities on focusing only on Ojoy projects. Uh, we had grown enough at that point that I could focus on just Ojoy and not necessarily um, design for other companies. And so from then on, really, we've been focusing on a combination of creative content and uh, things like DIYs and recipes and fashion and tips and things that we can bring to people on a daily basis. And really, essentially, Ojoy is about bringing joy to people in the most simple and easy ways that we can um, and then the other part of the business are, are now products. We have had a long-term collection, <clears throat> excuse me, at Target, and that is a great way for us to be able to design pieces that someone can buy. It's a tangible version of joy that you can purchase, put in your home, and it just instantly makes you happier. It makes your day better. I love that. So your whole brand is all about bringing joy, <laughs> pun yeah. intended, and <laughs> happiness to people in a multiplicity of ways. Exactly. So how did you come up with this? I know you said you started with the blog. So is it just a natural kind of evolution or was it something that, you know, you'd been wanting? You know how so often things kind of start in a very subconscious way where you're you may be you may gravitate to certain things, certain things or kind of daydream of different things, but then they come to fruition. So for for you, how how did it really start? I mean, that's the thing. I definitely, in 2005, I was nowhere thinking that I would have a business that was based on the internet and social media and having what would be considered an audience or followers or anything like that. Like, that was not within grasp. So I definitely did not plan for it. I think more than anything, I had not even expected to have a business. I had thought I was going to be a graphic designer at other companies and just keep growing and going up that ladder that you, that I just thought in school, that's what I learned that you do. And so having a business was purely by accident. But once I caught on and once I realized that I enjoyed it and I liked it and it fit my personality better, it, pretty much as I just wanted to do more, I kept challenging myself to do more. As I saw, oh, you know what, I really want to start making products, I started a stationary line that I created 
and produced myself back in 2007. Once I realized the way that stationery was not for me or the production part was not for me, I said, hey, what's this licensing thing about, which is when you partner with a company and they make the products and you use your artwork and it's a different type of relationship, but it's another way to get products produced. Then I, was, then I tried to figure out, well, what is licensing? How do I do that? So I did not know how to do all these things. And I think that's the biggest thing is that people are often scared to try something new because they don't know how to do it or they didn't go to school for it or there's not some exact book that tells you steps one to ten. And really, so much of my life, of so much of my career has been figuring out the next step because you're not going to just know how to do something and it's not always easy to figure it out right away. But if you care enough and if you want to do it, you will figure it out through a combination of research and asking around mm-hmm. and just learning what you can learn through endless resources that are now available. Well, nice. Quick question. So you mentioned Target um, is one place that you can find your products. Where else can people find? Oh, Joy. So currently, we are mostly exclusively at Target. Uh, That will change starting next year. You'll start to see us in other retail stores, which I cannot say yet because it's all secret stuff right now. But a lot of it will be also on um, our own website. It will be on websites with other brands that we are going to collaborate with. So you'll just begin to see Ojoy all over the place. And I'm guessing your website is ojoy.com? <laughs> yeah. Joy, let them know, let the audience know, what other collaborations have you had? So we've done things with uh, The Land of Nod, which is a kid's line. Mm-hmm. We have done... I have a seven. Oh, well, she'll be seven months. Actually, oh. we say Friday. She's seven months now. Oh, my gosh. I can't yes. believe this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, freshly picked. Uh, Another love of done. ours. Okay. Yes. I mean, so a lot of a lot of kids' brands, because I was a mom of two, for sure, that's a love of mine. Um, Target has been a big one where we've done home decor, party, Baby clothing, baby nursery, furniture, pets. Um, our furniture line is actually with a company called Cloth & Co., but it sells exclusively at Target. Mm-hmm. We did a pets collection with Target. Um, so, so many different categories. Really, it spans lifestyle. It's mostly meant and geared towards the female woman, mm-hmm. the millennial plus a little bit older, and then also mothers who are within that age group as well. So I'm definitely focused on the woman and things that we can do to make her her day happier. And just so that to make it clear, because I know some people may have missed it, that basically what Joy does is she creates the different designs for all of these companies and she licenses her graphics and designs to be on everything from baby moccasins to toys to pet items to you name it. And I wanted to make that clear because that's a business that so often people don't even know exists. Like, they don't even know that that's an option for them to do, if that makes sense. Exactly. And basically the difference is I could go out and I could manufacture all of these items myself, but it would take a ton of money and a ton of investment and a ton of resources. Or I could go and partner with companies who are already making those things and are really great at making those specific things and we, we help design those products onto their things. So, yes, it's about prints and patterns and things like that, but in some cases we also have the ability to design things from scratch. So with our Target collection, if I want to do a bar cart, I draw the bar cart from scratch, we sample it, we make it in partnership with them, we design it, and then once it's approved in terms of I like it, I think the material's good, we, we think it all fits, then it would sell either at Target stores or on Target's website. So that's roughly how the process goes with licensing. And instead of instead of putting in all the investment, making all of the money, and then having to pay out to different vendors, we basically get a percentage. Um, it changes. It varies for different partnerships. So sometimes it's a flat rate per partnership. Sometimes it's a percentage. 
Working you know, so harder, not smarter. I mean, working smarter, <laughs> not harder. Sorry. It's a different, Wrong yes, it's, it's different for sure. I don't know that it's the way for everyone to go, but for me so far, because I've wanted to design so many things, it makes more sense. But I think if somebody wanted to focus on one specific thing, they yeah. knew I only want to make chairs or I only want to make baby clothes, then it does make sense to manufacture your own. But if you're like me and you want to do a lot of different things, or test the waters a lot of different things, and licensing is a really great way to do it. I love it. And I know before you called in, um, the, every whenever I do Candidly Keisha, just to give you kind of an overview if you haven't really listened to a lot of the, our, our podcast, it's really about about life. It's about what's going on here, what's going on now, whether it's from when I was going through pregnancy and motherhood and, you know, being grateful as a day I don't have throw up in my hair to, you know, now we're in the midst of all of this going on with Charlottesville and just the country has so many different polarized um I guess opinions or what would what would you say would be the right word with everything going on right now? And I know for me being it's it's a range of emotions. That's the best way to say it. And for me as a mother specifically, and knowing that this is the country that I'm leaving my baby to and that she will grow up in, it's 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 definitely an emotional time. Do you have any sort of like how has it hit you? It could be whatever, any range. Um there's no right answer to the question, but what has been your perspective or, or your experience as you're navigating this whole new normal of the world we live in? You know, I think that I'm very much still processing mm-hmm. all of this, but similarly to you as a mother, and I have two girls, and I think also there's something about having girls that you feel extra aware of how to raise women mm-hmm. in this world and in general that it's hard. I mean, it makes me so sad because I think that I remember growing up and all of the stuff that I had to go through not looking a certain way. And it took me a very long time to not want to have blonde hair and blue eyes. I mean, yeah. that's something that from the very get-go, I mean, I struggled with, especially my uh, early preteen years. And I think it wasn't until my 20s and even my 30s that I really feel like I am owning who I am and I'm happy with it. And I have no doubt about the life that I want to lead. And so for me, it's been very important with my girls. I have a five and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And the little one, she doesn't really, you know, ask enough. She's too, too little, but my older one asks questions. She asks me about skin color. She asks me about why her skin gets darker when the, when it's summertime and things like mm-hmm. that. And things where she starts to question why she looks different. And of course, my answers are always things that embrace, embrace her and embrace that and making sure she knows there's not one way to be. And so to see what's happening and to see something happening that's so conflicting with my inside view yeah. of how my husband and I want to raise our girls and how I think that the world should be and all the stuff that I had to go through as a kid that I think has gotten better or I assumed has gotten better. And then you see things that happen and you're just like, nothing. I mean, the fact that that stuff still happens is crazy to me. And so it's very hard because I feel like in some ways here I am in LA, I'm in this bubble of it's pretty diverse here. People are very open to all types of different things. And so in some ways I'm spoiled in the sense that like I have not had to deal with people looking at me and thinking that I am any different because there's plenty of people who look like me here in LA. And so to think that there's parts of the country that I cannot, I, I do not, I do not experience it. So I don't have to deal with it, but how can I 
help with that? How can I help change those viewpoints? Yeah. Of and those that people? was, and, and not to cut you off, that was a lot of our discussion too, is that yeah. we all have to take ownership because so often it's easy to say that's happening over there or to those people, or you don't experience it in your bubble of an everyday life. But until everyone takes ownership, whether you're black, white, you know, Asian, wherever you come from, you're Hispanic, we have to all empathize with one another and recognize that this is an all of us issue, that it's going to take everybody to come together with um, in order to really get rid of it for good. And I do agree, like, in terms of having a girl and having daughters and having that dialogue with them. I also, you may not know, I do, I have a nonprofit called the Camp Kizzy Foundation. And every year, this is, this was our seventh camp. It's completely free. We have girls from around the country who come. It's all about empowerment and self-esteem. And not knowing what was going to transpire only a couple weeks after having my camp, but this year's theme was all about empowerment and individuality and self-love and embracing you know, who we are as individuals. You know, I always tell my girls, why are you striving to be a worthless copy when you were born a priceless original? And that's something that's so important to me on every level. And specifically, you know, from the space of being a woman, because I am a woman and a black woman. And you have enough issues as a woman, then you add on the different layers it's about us all coming together and all supporting one another and all, you know, just continuing to be that voice of empowerment. It's all about Absolutely. being fearless, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joy, do you have anything else you want to ask, Joy? I mean, um, no, Joy? I mean, I think the only thing really to me is like the one thing that I know that I can actively do right now in this moment is to make sure that I'm teaching my children what exactly. is right and going because forward. Because hate is learned. Like that is not something that is innate in anybody. It's something that's learned. And, you know, part of if everyone did their duty as you are and teaching their children love, that is more than half the battle. Absolutely. Yes, love and joy. Love, <laughs> love and joy. I said love and joy. Well, thank you so much, Joy, for joining us thank on our you. fearless segment here at Candidly Keisha. And if anybody wants to hear more of Joy, she will be speaking at the Fearless Reloaded Conference. She is speaking at our VIP brunch on marriage, motherhood, and money. So thank you so much. Thank you, Joy. I look thank forward to you meeting both. you. I'll see you soon. See okay, you soon. see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. So, yeah, um, I'm glad that Joy called in because for those of you, you know, you can't see in a podcast. And I wanted to ask her specifically, you know, where her family was from. Um, But she alluded to, you know, that she's definitely not necessarily, you know, white because of her daughter's skin tans. There are a lot of people, whether you're Asian Mm -hmm. American, I believe she's Asian American or Hispanic or, you know, wherever you come from. And to James, that's your point. Like nobody is everyone's a mutt at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. If you take a step back and look at this craziness of white supremacy, whatever you want to call it, I would love it. to do the genealogy of some of those people because it, I would bet. <laughs> I would bet. It, it, well, you, you know, um, I mean, there's some history that's saying too. You know, Hitler was part Jewish. Cry, cry, crazy. <laughs> 
I really would like, I want to send Ancestry, what was that? Ancestry Ancestry DNA, 23 and Me. There should be something where people should go. I think that should almost be like some sort of healing booth where they give out free DNA kits and then you get your DNA back and you're like, oh, you're my cousin. You're my cousin. Oh, you're my cousin. I'm sorry. I'm being silly. But, have you, have you know. seen some of the commercials for that? Like there's this guy where he's like, we had Lederhosen. You know, I was German and we, you know, we celebrated all these German things and ate schnitzel and this and that. And he's like, but then he actually did the DNA treat, right. whatever. It came back that he was mostly Scottish. He's yes. like, so now we're killed. You know, right. I mean, it's like, you know, you, who, who knows? You know, you and, and really, really don't. You really don't. We're all, we're all mutts and accept it, you know, yes. and embrace it. And I, I mean, how, think how boring it would be if we were all the same. I mean, it would be so, so boring. So boring. I like yeah. how we're going to say Motown. You know, the funniest thing about like white supremacists, how do they, like, as a woman, how you deal with that? Like, because <laughs> you, you ever notice, it's like it ain't just white supremacy. We also into male supremacy too, right? Like, so you, I mean, so you you sitting at home and you just like Look, he's not only and your husband and, is not only talking about those people. He's talking about and you. you too. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, so, it, but then they'd be like, "We hate such a we hate gays, but y'all hate women." So. I don't understand. How does like, that work? Whoa. You have hate you hate ninety-nine percent of the rest of the pop of the population. Cause by the time you take out black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, because I for, we forgot about that. Asian people are included mm-hmm. in the whole Ku Klux Klan list of no go. And, and Catholics and Ca- Catholics, Jewish, yeah. Jewish. Like you have eliminated ninety-nine percent of the world at this point. <laughs> and hate everybody. Like, bless your hearts. Well, white men. Yes, women. Oh, yeah, we forgot. You got to take women out of there, yeah, too. Yeah, I hate everything but white men. And the and white women, well, they're, they're, I won't say white women, but their spouses and, and voted just like them. It's like, listen, we going in, and we are voting for Trump. We are going to do this. And they're like, okay. Oh. They're like, this okay, one. this is what we're going to do. Like, I wonder how many of them got in the booth because you know you go in by yourself mm-hmm. and cast a different ballot. I guess not enough of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I want to. Even though you know, we've definitely talked about the darker side of things, and I just want to end on a higher note. And I truly, truly believe that love trumps hate any day of the week. Um, and I don't. Not to say that there isn't. A uphill battle in front of us, but I honestly believe that there are more people in this world who stand on my side, who stand mm-hmm. on our side, who stand on the side of justice, who stand on the side of love, of acceptance, of, you know, against bigotry, of racism, sexism, like all of those things. I feel like there are more people, but we need to be more vocal about who we are. Um, just how they, meaning the, what do they call themselves? The alt, what are they? The alt, uh, alt right, right. Oh. Yeah. I don't even alt, I the alt people. I'm, I'm an alt left. Right, yeah. Just, just as they call themselves the alt right, and they're proud and they're loud and they're boisterous. We have to be equally as proud and loud and boisterous um, because they're getting so much airtime, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word, because of it. Like, even though their numbers are smaller, our numbers are greater. And we have to stand in solidarity with one another and be very, very clear about where we stand. We cannot be ambiguous. We cannot be, you know, saying something for the sake of, you know, 
not rocking the boat. We can't be afraid of, oh, how will this um, – what type of backlash will I receive for – because, you know, like even with Colin um, Kaepernick, mm-hmm. you know, how he took a stand for what he thought was right and there were sacrifices that he made. But we cannot be afraid to make those sacrifices because, you know, ultimately they can't fire everybody. Mm-hmm. They can't – you know, so you have to – be willing to stand for what you believe is right, regardless of a consequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, and also we have to look at like racism and stuff. It's a sickness, and with any sickness, it's better to know it exists, so you know what medicine you need to take to yeah. eliminate it. Exactly. Well, and it, it, it's really odd though that um, certain things that the media or the things that we're, we're talking about, um, like for example, the Million Man March. That happened, and it got very, very little coverage. And that was an awesome, awesome. message. My brothers but were there. I was ha- watching. But on I remember TV. There were a lot of some of the complaints were like, "Oh, it didn't." And it actually didn't get a ton of. It got some coverage, but not to the level of this horrible, horrible, you know, course of events in Charlottesville. And you right. know, and look, look at how much coverage that's gotten. Right. And and you know, when you look, kind of take a step back and look at these two events, it's like, why are we spending all this time and energy talking about this horrible? Things when actually there are better things and people doing better things. We love drama. Right. We got to stop giving them airtime. We love drama. When there's a happy story, it's funny. I mean, just take Keisha, for instance. When when you do something great with Cam Kizzy, nobody's, they ain't retweeting that and doing all that. She's like, and then when there's some BS, people want to talk about it. I'm like, you do realize, like, she does a lot of good things. Like, why why are you not asking me about that? Tell them Motown, get them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no. like, I hate what, you know, and it just, it does it. So just for me working in the industry, and people ask like, "What's the juicy stories?" Uh, juicy stories is I go to work and get a check and go home. That's it. I'm not gonna give you nothing else. Why do you need to know? I don't go to the post office and want to know what happened uh, with the mail back there, but they want to hear the juice. Yeah, and it's and it's a shame. It's just where we at. Like it's like it's, it's entertainment. You know, like the con- like Colin Kaepernick, for instance, is a lot of people who sit who've been sitting for years. Yeah, fans don't necessarily stand during the national anthem, but he, but okay, it's a, it's a big story, and Trump is and and people don't understand. It happened during Trump's run while, while he was running for president, right? So they use that. And then all the things were going on with Ferguson and Mike Brown and everything, and then he said, "So it's like, oh yeah, let's let's use this. Like it's a big deal. No, the deal is he set for a reason. Why are we not talk? Why the, why the NFL owners? Why are we not talking about what's going on? If you look at a lot of NFL stadiums, they're in bad com- they're in like African American based communities. Yeah, and." Look at the Falcon Stadium. It's right in in a certain area. It's the a Falcon lot of things. Stadium. They displace people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like let's be real. That because I went to school over there. I went to school, right. and that over there was absolutely and completely a whole African American community. Right. So we'll talk about Kaepernick sitting, but not by not about what Kaepernick is actually sitting for. Right. There's a reason he's sitting. He didn't just wake up one day and was like, "Man, I don't feel like doing it." So yeah. I'm gonna sit. Because if that was the case, I think most people would be like, I feel him. Like, I'm going to do that, too. Like, it wouldn't be a big problem. Right. Because I don't feel like standing up either. I love my country, though. Yeah. And and more than anything, it's not about – and that's the last piece I'll say. I feel like it's funny when people are like, well, then leave. 
go, go. And I'm like, no, this is our country too. Like, th- that's not an option. We built this joint. We built for this free. for free. So it's not an option for us. No, we're not going anywhere. I'm sorry to tell you because we, this is ours just as much as it is the next person. And I was just recently at the National African American Museum um, in D.C. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And one of the quotes on the wall basically says, I planted the, the seed. I deserve to eat its fruit. Yeah. On that note, there's nothing else that needs to be said. I would like to say this is candidly Keisha. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We will be right here, um, right back next Friday. Motown, would you like to tell the people where they can find you? Are you good? Let me know. Um, you want to? They can find. Me, they can find me on uh, social media. Um, Motown Lee, M O E T O W N L E E. Don't come to my page and get offended because I might say some things. Like, <laughs> That's what the block delete button is for. I love that. Block delete. Because guess what? If you don't agree, you do not have to follow. Yeah. It's very, very simple, guys. But, um, and Arian, again, would you like to tell them where they can find you and more about the Fearless Reloaded conference? Oh, at fearlessreloaded.eventbrite.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have an amazing, amazing weekend. We will be right back next Friday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.